Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in Huff. Thanks so much for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, I'm speaking with Jamie Beebe. Now, Jamie... A ton of stuff going on. I think that, you know, I've talked to people with a lot on their plate and a lot of different things. I even talked to a guy who did uh, marketing, had marketing books, and also talked about the uh, Shroud of Turin. So definitely mix some interesting stuff. But this week uh, might stretch that to the limits because we're going to talk to Jamie about her day job, her career as a casting director and what that looks like. We're going to talk to her about her podcast that she's a host of called Strictly Stalking. So we're going to talk about the true crime world of stalking. Um, and she's going to give us some some interesting stories about that, uh, stories that she's had on her podcast, some really terrifying stuff. What made her want to, to create a, a podcast about stalking and what she's learned from it and how she just deals with week in and week out listening to people's stories, um, what she hopes the future holds. You know, she hopes that eventually the podcast is not needed, but that the laws are not where they need to be in, in protecting people now. There's tons of stories out there. Uh, the day that there's not a story uh, for her to cover, I think, would be a, a good day. So, um, but until then, her podcast is really, really awesome. So we've got casting director we've got stocking and then her last part is she actually owns a bikini company so yeah stocking bikinis and casting director quite a uh, array of things we're going to talk about her her bikini company is called the boyfriend bikini uh there's a, a pretty cool message behind it the people that she hires to uh, make the bikinis, um, the franchise opportunities that she wants to create eventually. It all has a, a pretty inspiring thought behind it. So I think you're going to enjoy this. The The bulk of the conversation, I think, is, is probably in the, the podcast world. You know, this is a podcast, so of course we want to talk about hers. Um, but uh, you know, it's a very different kind of podcast. It's a very uh, it's a podcast that, you know, has to, to do with a very uh, intense uh, you know, meaningful topic every single week. Not to say this podcast isn't meaningful, because it certainly is. But uh, you know, we have a, a a wide variety of people on talking about some of their best moments and their most exciting moments. Where Jamie has to talk to people sometimes about their their most terrifying moments, the worst moments of their life. So you know, I give Jamie a lot of credit for covering them with the. Uh, respect, honesty, and uh, and compassion that she does. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Awesome person. Uh, really appreciate her time. Here is Jamie Beebe. I'm here today with Jamie Beebe. Miss Beebe, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. You. We just talked before before we started recording. You've got so many different things going, but just introduce yourself. Uh, well, my name's Jamie, and um, yes, I do have a lot of things going. I am a casting director. I've been a casting director for, gosh, like 15 years, around 10, 15 years. Um, and I have a true crime podcast called Strictly Stalking that I've been doing for the last three and a half years. 
And uh, I just started a bikini company called The Boyfriend Bikini that I launched on Valentine's Day of this year. I love it. We're going we're gonna to talk about each and every one of those. Let's start with the casting director part. I looked at your, oh goodness, what is it? I am, I am BB. <laughs> so I don't exactly know what a casting director is. You know, I've talked to people from all walks of life when it comes to making movies, producers, stuntmen, directors, actors, all that kind of stuff. Never a casting person. Does, does being a casting director get you I'm going to mess up the letters again. IMBD or or have you done other IMDb. stuff? Uh, yeah, it, it is all on IMDb. And honestly, I didn't know what a casting director did either until I started doing it. I had never even been on a set. I, I didn't know anything about um, production when I started in production. I had met a guy that um, that I was dating at the time, and he wanted to be a director and have a production company. And um, I think I was doing real estate at the time, didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was kind of trying everything. And uh, he was like, why don't you manage it? You can run the company. I was like, great. I have no idea how to do that. Um, so I started Googling it. You know, I learned everything I could about production and producing things. Um, you know, and I, I think a good thing to always remember is if you don't know what you're doing, hire people that do and try mm -hmm. and learn from them. Uh, so that's what I did. And I worked with him for a couple of years um, doing mostly commercials and, and little things like that. And then um, when that disbanded, I realized that casting was uh, kind of the best part of the job. Uh, everyone's happy to hear from the casting director. Everyone likes the casting director. <laughs> everyone's nice to the casting director. You know, I was out there handing out jobs pretty much. So I wanted to do that. And um, it's really hard to get into casting for TV and film, which I didn't really realize at the time. Most people work under people for a long time, um, you know, intern and, and things like that. And, you know, I had way too many bills to pay to do that. So I jumped into casting for reality shows, like mm -hmm. unscripted casting, which is really, really easy. I mean, it, there's definitely a, it, it takes some time to learn it, but once you do, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. You're just looking for real people that are kind of willing to, I guess, be exploited on TV <laughs> for one, mm -hmm. one reason or another. Um, and so it's easy to jump into that. So I did, and I did really, really well at it. Um, and I liked it for a little while, but morally it wasn't really for me. Um, I realized that a lot of these people that I was convincing to go in these shows, after the show, they had shitty lives, you know, I mean, they, there was a lot of drug addiction and suicide rates were high, um, depression, all these kinds of things. And I think part of that is because of the people that we choose to put on TV. Um, you know, everyone kind of wants to see a disaster unfold in one way or another. Um, and then also, you know, you take some 18 20 year old kid and from West Virginia from a town of 300 people and you put him on TV and make him you know quasi famous for 15 minutes it's gonna have some repercussions um especially in the way that we do it um you know here in the states and, and other countries as well um you know where we do kind of exploit them so after a while I was like I really don't want to do this anymore um and so in the meantime, I had started going to um, the universities and film schools in town, and I would stand outside and ask people if they needed a casting director. Um, 
and it worked, you know, people were like, yeah, sure. Why not? Cause no one really is doing casting, especially, you know, at that, at the film school level, sometimes I, you know, make a hundred bucks or something. Um, but what that did was, you know, I got to know all the agents and managers and I got those relationships, which were really important. And then when the kids started graduating from school, they were getting bigger and better jobs. And I was the casting director that they knew. So I kind of expanded up with them. And eventually I was able to leave script or unscripted casting and go into scripted. Mm, that, now that's Not awesome. It. And that kind of leads into even more questions about exactly what a casting director is, because from what I understood, like it, you're working with, you know, the, the production company or the show and you are doing the casting. So what, what exactly were you doing? You were, you were being the casting director for these individual students I just don't know exactly what a casting director is. So explain that a little bit. No problem. Um, so for scripted for TV and film, um, there's a couple different ways to go about casting. It kind of depends on the budget that you're working with. Um, you know, if you're working with a bigger budget, more than likely they have an idea on who they already want to be in the show. Um, so we're making offers uh, and that those offers go to the agents and managers and that's pretty simple in some ways, you know, you really have to have those relationships with agents and managers in order to get them to respond and take you seriously and um, take a look at the information that you're sending. Um, and so like making an offer, is it, it's just what it sounds like. Um, you know, we decide who we want. I find out when they're shooting, how many days they're shooting. We come up with a number that we think um, the actor would go for uh which is you know everyone kind of has like their set numbers like we look at like what they made in their last film or um you know so whatever it is like what they normally make and that's kind of around what we try to offer um and then you know hopefully they take it uh usually there's some negotiations involved and then hopefully we can finalize something on negotiations and they jump in and do the movie or the tv show and then if it's not a higher budget show and we're looking just for um, maybe actors that aren't at that level yet, um, we'll either do in-person auditions or self-tape auditions where we send them, you know, a couple pages of, of whatever it is and they act it out and send it back um, if it's a self-tape or they do it in the room. And then, um, you know, that narrows down our choices and, and we're able to choose that way. I got you. So how are you being a casting director for an individual student and that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Right. So um, students at, when they go through school, they do have to um, make like short films or sometimes even full length films, um, you know, or maybe they're shooting a music video for their friends or fake commercial or real commercial, you know, they could be shooting anything, um, but you need people to shoot if you're going to shoot something. Um, and so, and a lot of times they will try and get their friends to do it. Other film students, but that's not always possible. Or maybe it's for, you know, they want to shoot something for um, to send out to, you know, for their reel or whatever else. And they want kind of a name in there. Um, and there's a lot of big actors, you know, ac recognizable actors that will do student films for nothing or, you know, the, mm. the smallest amount just to help students out. Because, you know, that's that's our future, <laughs> you know, is are, are the students and new people coming in all the time. Um, you know, it's a different level of creativity. It's a, it's, everything's new um, and exciting. So that's, yeah. So I'll help them find somebody to put in their 
student film or their mm. commercial or music video or whatever it is that they're shooting. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you, you said it kind of in the beginning, but how long have you been in this, this casting world? It's been 15 years. Yeah. So what do you, since the beginning, do you think it's been easier or harder to, I guess, to, to take this role? And the reason I ask that is I talked to someone who is, has been a voiceover actor for, I don't know, 30 plus years. And he said that it's getting harder and harder because there's always been a ton of voiceover actors, but the ones that are on the A-list, it's getting larger and larger and larger and harder and harder to, to book jobs. And if he hadn't been in it for 30 years and he was just really good at it at this point, it'd probably be difficult to actually break in even being good because there's just too many. Obviously, there's always been a ton of actors. There's, you know, th That's always been a thing. But do you think that it's getting harder or easier to do your job in the last 10 or 15 years? Um, you know, I think it's easier, uh, personally, because, you know, thing everything changes with technology. Um, I can see where, you know, especially voice actor would, it would be harder because anyone can do voiceover now. Hmm. Um, you know, with the technology we have today, I mean, I can sound like anything. It, it's, you know, you can do it online. Um, with, now with AI and everything else, which is like a whole new level. Um, you know, so I think with technology, it opens a lot of doors, but it can also shut a lot of doors. Um, it makes it a little bit harder because anybody anywhere can do this work. You know, it, it, it really opens it up. You don't have to be living in LA going to all the auditions. We do most of it online now, especially after COVID and lockdown. I mean, I do 98% of my work online remotely. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could easily talk about this, the whole, the whole podcast. I've had people on that just talk about, you know, just their role in, in movie making. So, but we're moving on because you've got so much else going on. I want to talk about your, your podcast, Strictly Stalking. Give us the premise of that. If somebody's listening and then exactly how it all came about, how you got into a, a podcast about such a, an interesting topic. Sure. So, um, what we, we interview victims and survivors of stalkers on the show. Um, uh, we kind of hand the platform over. I mean, um, and do a quick interview, not quick, I guess it's about an hour long. Um, and you know, the survivor tells what happened, what the, what happened to them, if they're still being stalked, which a lot of times they are, you know, or if they got justice, which hopefully they did. A lot of times they didn't, um, the laws just aren't there yet. And, you know, anyone anywhere can be stalked. It's not famous people. It's not just women. It's not just men. And you can be stalked by anyone. You can be stalked by your husband, your ex-husband, your brother, your mom, you're a stranger from the post office, a stranger that walked by your house and saw you outside. Like it's literally anyone, anywhere at any time can be a stalker or can be stalked. Um, so yeah. And how we got into it. I do. Um, I have a business partner, my co-host, Jake Deptula. Um, we, I really wanted to do a podcast because I listen to podcasts all day. I love true crime. It's totally my thing. I, I feed on it, you know, and I called him one day and I was like, oh, I want to do a podcast. Like everyone's like, everyone's doing a murder podcast. Like, I don't know if there's enough murders to cover anymore. You know, yeah. sometimes I hear the same murder show on three different podcasts. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I missed the boat. I can't do a podcast now. And he was like, well, no one's doing a podcast about stalking, you know, and that's like a major thing. And I was like, stalking. I don't know anything about that, that I have no idea. Like, that's weird. Right. 
So I hung up the phone and I was like, hmm, there's a whole crime I don't know anything about. Like, let's learn about it. Uh, So I started researching and I was like, wow, millions and millions of people get stalked. And, you know, sometimes it's horrific. It leads to death. It's um, extremely traumatic. You know, if you are able to get any type of justice, you're left with a lot of PTSD. There's so much fear. It's it's terrifying. So we we I jumped in and we started doing the podcast and um, we've done a little over three years, like 200 around 200 episodes and put one out a week. And there's no shortage of stories. You know, we've kind of heard everything, every type of stalker out there. And um, what we're trying to do is just, you know, give people that voice um, to help other people, you know, to hopefully change laws, to get that awareness out there. A lot of people don't talk about stalking. Um, it's kind of like a, like an embarrassing, shameful topic for victims to talk about, which is really, it shouldn't be at all. Um, but it kind of goes along, you know, a lot with domestic violence and um, rape, you know, along those lines of things that we need to create more awareness out of in order to stop what's going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I wonder too, you said there's no shortage of stories. How do you how do you find your stories? Does does people just reach out to you guys, or, or how are you finding these uh, these connections to share the story? Yeah, people do um, reach out to us mostly all the time now. Um, now that the podcast has gotten a lot bigger, in the beginning, you know, I just kind of started when I started researching and reading more about the crime and everything. I reached out to advocates of stalking because you know, 99% of the advocates have been stalked. And that's why they've become advocates to help other people, because it's such a weird, unknown thing. Like, what do you do if you're being stalked? You know, I, I didn't, I had no idea. Like, you can't, like, am I going to call 911 and be like, yeah, my ex-boyfriend left flowers at the door again? Like, they're going to laugh, right? Like, okay, you got flowers, you know. Um, But they, because there's a way that when you do go to the authorities, you know, you need to document he left flowers again. He's not supposed to know where I live. He's not supposed to be a hundred feet of me. Um, you know, he attacked me three days ago. Like he's, he emails me a hundred times a day. He calls and hangs up a hundred times a day. Like you need to tell all those things that lead up to it that show the pattern and that show the fear. So there's a lot that goes into being able to try to get justice. And even then the laws are not where they should be, but we, it is kind of word of mouth. A lot of people that have been stalked are looking for resources. So that's how they find us. They start listening and then, you know, they want to share their story. So that's kind of round about how we find people. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome. And I, I wonder too, I mean, obviously a lot of these people are coming to you or they're already public with, with, you know, their, their story, but how do you bring these people on um, and I guess, and, and put them at ease. You know, a lot of times, you know, in this podcast, I talk to this, you know, people that are, you know, actors or, or a lot of kind of fun things. Occasionally I talk to, to people that aren't, you know, I've, I've delved into true crime before as well, but those, those conversations always take just a little bit more because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything triggering by any means. So how do you deal with that balance? Yeah, no, um, it is difficult. Um, there's a lot of things that we do have to look at when we interview people. And a lot of our guests um, come on anonymously because they are still being stalked. It's It would be very dangerous for them to give out any information. Um, so we record everything ahead of time and then we edit everything just in case 
um, you know, someone says some kind of identifying information. Um, and we don't ever say the stalker's name for um, safety reasons, but also because it's not the stalker's story. Uh, we want to take that narrative away. And stalkers want attention. We don't want to give them attention. Um, so a lot of people do come on anonymously for that reason. We also talk to people before the interview. We have like kind of a pre-interview that we do um, where we discuss what they want to talk about, what they want to say, how in-depth they want to get. Um, there's so many aspects of stalking. You know, a lot of people it starts with domestic violence, they leave their partner, and then the person stalks. So like, you know, we ask them what they want to talk, if they want to talk about the domestic violence, do they not, you know, um, we really leave it up to our guests on how comfortable they are with what they're saying, if they want to be anonymous, if they want their name out there or not. Um, but again, we don't say the stalker's name unless there's been a couple times where the stalker is deceased or in prison for a lengthy amount of time. Um, or there it's a very famous case, then sometimes we'll say their name, but we really try to avoid that. Yeah, I understand that for sure. And I want to ask you too, you know, you've had over a hundred episodes, you know, you you've covered so many different different stocking cases. Any of them just to kind of for the for the listener to understand what's happening, any of them maybe that you can highlight that were just particularly interesting in either the way they were stocked or who was being stocked or anything like that anything that you can kind of highlight for the listener here sure there's one that always comes to mind um is the creepiest one this girl she she was younger she just moved out of her house her parents um and was going into college and had moved into her own apartment for the first time living alone um she had like a medium-sized dog or something and she was going out, have you know, classes, going out with friends, just living the life. And she started noticing that underwear was missing from her apartment, which she thought was weird. Like, did she lose it in the laundry? Like, who knows? You know, you don't really think too much of it. She didn't really think too much of it. Um, and then she noticed, like, some of her swimwear was missing. Like, things kept going missing out of her apartment. Um, and she wasn't really having a lot of people over, but, like, maybe someone, one of her friends was taken. It was a joke. Someone was playing a joke on her. She didn't know. Um, and then it turns out one day she wakes up and she has no underwear left and anywhere in her, it's all gone. Everything is, you know, it's gone, uh, which is really strange. So she kind of reached out to her friends and family and was like, hey, this happened. Like, did somebody do this? Like, is this a joke on me? Couldn't figure it out. Um, and then she, there was something wrong with the electricity in her apartment and her landlord came over. And, um, and they, she had previously talked to, I think it was like a cop friend of her mom's and they looked in the house and they were like, doesn't seem like anyone's breaking in. Like, you know, so the landlord comes over and they go in her closet and there's like one of those, um, little attic things up on, in the closet where you can go check on things. And she didn't even know that was there. So they opened it up and realized that someone had been living in there. Um, there was, you know, like, a pictures of her there were her things and it was obvious that someone had been like living in her attic um and he wasn't there at the moment so they were like okay this is not good um and it turns out it was a guy that was living on the other side of the apartment complex so he would go up through his closet and then make his little way all the way to hers and he had been 
going for like days at a time. He had a wife and family, but he was gone for days at a time. No one, I don't really understand how his wife and family didn't know where he was, but whatever. Um, And they did end up arresting him. And I think he got deported. Um, So, but it kind of terrified the crap out of me. Like someone living in your house and you don't know, but that actually happens more often than you'd think. So living yeah. in the basement, living in the attic, like <laughs> really scary stuff. That is, that's terrifying for sure. And that's kind of a good lead into the next question. You said that it, it terrified you to hear this story, you know, week in and week out, you're hearing these, these stalking stories and things that are, are pretty awful. So how do you deal with, you know, these listen to this every week. And I feel like that can be traumatizing just in itself. Um, you know, it, it is a little bit. Um, I think that I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, good to understand that kind of trauma. Um, what's interesting is when I first started at the podcast, I would get triggered really easily um, by a lot of the domestic violence stories, because I had just left uh, a domestic, uh, an abusive relationship. Hmm. And so like I would, I know that I think people kind of thought that I was very cold in the interviews, which it wasn't really that it was more like I was hearing my story over and over again from all these people. And it was something that I hadn't talked about, um, you know, out of fear, out of, you know, everything else. Cause a lot of people don't talk about domestic violence. So um, up until, you know, probably about a year ago when I finally started talking about being in an abusive relationship is when it really opened up for me. So I think it really helped as much as it was triggering and like emotionally draining to hear people's stories. I think ultimately it helped me personally so much to hear all these stories. And also, you know, for my podcast, I'm asking people to talk about the worst parts of their life. So, you know, if I'm asking other people to do that, I should be able to do that too. So that's when I started talking more about what I went through and it all kind of started coming together a little bit, you know, and it helped me heal. So, um, so it was really, really hard to kind of hear my story, you know, over and over because most domestic, you know, violence is very similar to one another. It's like they read a book and do the same things over and over. Um, but ultimately it did help. Yeah. So when you're doing this podcast, are you, do you go into a studio or are you sitting on your couch like you are now or what's that look like? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do it from home. I travel a lot. So I actually do it from wherever I'm at most mm. 99% of my work I can do remotely. Um, so I do, as long as I have internet, I can work. So I've, I've done interviews from many countries all through Europe, South America, Central America, Asia, and yeah, wherever I'm at, I just need my computer and a microphone. That's awesome. I want to ask now, this is this, given, you know, this is a podcast too, just the awkward nature that the, I could see this being because, you know, I have people reach out and want to be a guest relatively frequently. I have agents reach out and trying to, you know, have, have some of their clients on. And it's easy for me when they're trying to, you know, sell a certain book or talk about, you know, something that I don't necessarily want to bring on just to say, that's not right for this podcast. Or, you know, I maybe, maybe at a later date when people reach out to you, they're telling you they're, you know, they're maybe their scariest experience, but it's not right for your podcast, or maybe you've covered that same type of thing many times. How do you say no to these people? I feel like that would be, that would be harder. 
actually very rare that we've said no. Hmm. Um, very few times because if if they've heard the podcast, they know what it's about. Um, it's just about stalking. Uh, so if you've been stalked, um, you know we we definitely want to hear the story and. We've heard some stories that are a much lighter form of stalking and some like where the person was kidnapped by their stalker, you know, so we go all across the board because overall it's it's the same amount of trauma. It's the same amount of fear. Um, it's that not knowing what your stalker is going to do next. And also, you know, whatever type of stalking it is, it's going to if you tell your story, it's going to help somebody out there because someone else is dealing with it, too. Um and a lot of stalking stories are similar, but they're never the same. Uh, they're they're always similar, but they're never the same. And also, like in how people reach out and deal with like the police and you know the story in that way, it's always very very different too. So we've never really we rarely say um, no. Sometimes um, if we feel that people are in too much danger to tell their story, mm. uh, we'll wait until we can maybe help them you know, get a hold of lawyers or police or, you know, some other resources first, because um, we never want to put anyone in danger. Safety is the most important thing. Um, so we feel like, you know, if their story is something where even if they're anonymous, it could hurt their safety, we will say no to that. But we'll usually be helping them in the meantime. And then hopefully they can tell their story once they are not any, you know, in any danger any longer. Yeah, now that that makes a lot of sense for sure. And I want to ask you kind of in wrapping up, with with the podcast what do you hope the future holds for the podcast you've been doing it for a while do you have any i don't know dream guests which sounds a little interesting given the nature of the podcast but any dream guests do you have kind of a an end in mind do you plan on doing it until there's no stories left or or, or just talk about the future of the podcast yeah i mean i i would love to do it until there's no stories left i i, I wish that was tomorrow uh yeah. but it's not going to be unfortunately wow. Uh, I think that we're going to have stories for years and years. Um, I think that we are making a lot of headway. Um, I think that we're we're helping a lot of people. So I don't see any end in sight, um, especially because of that, until the laws are all changed. And even once the laws change, they'll just have to keep changing because of technology and everything else. You know, people are finding new ways to stalk. Um, you know, crime is never going to stop. So I don't see it. I don't see us stopping due to not having stories or anything like that, um, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, you know, I'd like to just keep going until we can make as much of a difference as possible in people's lives, you know, and also create that awareness. It, it should be perfectly fine to talk about, you know, your trauma, whatever that is, because once you have that awareness, then we can start putting a stop to it. You know, more people talk about, you know, abuse in any way. Abuse is a very shameful topic, I guess. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of victim shaming. It's it's something that's really hard to talk about. Um, so I would love to see it where it's not so hard to talk about because as soon as that happens, there will be less of it. You know, the more people talk about it, the less it's going to happen. Like one way or another, we'll, we'll get there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I just thought about, you know, because this, this very rarely happens with this podcast, because of course, a lot of people are are promoting a certain thing when they when they come on. But in in your podcast, you know, people are talking about. We've already talked about this. They're they're some of their scariest situations and something maybe that they're still living. So, how often is it that 
you talk to somebody, you you start the process of you know creating an episode, and then somebody's like, never mind. I I thought I was ready for this, but I'm not. Just because on my end that happens rarely, but when it does, I'm like, it's a totally different world than yours. But I'm thinking, ah, oh, we spent all this time talking, and now you know I've edited it, and that's a little bit unfortunate. Yeah, that actually happens um, not a lot, but frequently for us, and it's just part of what we have to go through. Um, you know, it's, they're going through something much worse. So yeah. for us to scrap an episode, fine. Um, you know, it was, we'll, we'll scramble and find something else to talk about. It's not, it's not, um, you know, safety first is always our yeah. thing. And usually if, if they've decided they don't want to come on the episode, um, especially after they've recorded it, uh, it's usually a safety issue. And, you know, we always tell them like, well, we have the episode. If you change your mind, let us know. If you want to redo it, let us know. Um, but yeah, you know, that that does happen. Or, you know, their stalker gets out of prison unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. We can't run the episode. I totally get that. You know, we don't want to put anyone in danger. Um, and there's been times where, you know, they start out like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use my name. And then, you know, after we do it, they change their mind. That's fine. We beep it out like no big deal, you know. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And it's just a, it's a totally different world there. But I knew that, that you'd had to have, have dealt with that before. Let's let's uh, let's transition into the to the last part, because you haven't already talked about enough amazing things that you do. Let's talk about your company. I believe it's a bikini company. How'd that come about? Yes. Um, well, that kind of came about a little more interestingly, I guess, on the other things. I mean, I always wanted a bikini company. I, I love bikinis. I love being in tropical weather. I love wearing bikinis. I'm, I'm always in one. Um, so after my abusive relationship ended, which thankfully was right before COVID, because I know a lot of people were stuck with their abusers during COVID. Thank mm-hmm. God I wasn't. Um, a lot of people died because of that. Um, you know, that's kind of the ending of abuse for a lot of people, unfortunately, is death. But I luckily got out right before COVID on uh, Valentine's Day of 2020. So I started kind of checking off a list in my mind of all the things that he had said I couldn't do, um, which was quite a bit. <laughs> you didn't think very highly of me. Uh, so, you know, like I started the podcast. I traveled the world solo. I've gone to, God, I don't know, 20 different countries by myself, countries where men I know are like, I would never go there alone. I'm like, it was great. I have no problem. Um, you know, I've done so many things. So one of those things that I knew that I wanted to do was start that bikini company. So late last year, mid to late last year, I reached out to a girl that I found online, um, who does patterns. She's going to school in Paris for design, uh, because I really didn't know how to make a bikini. Uh, But I knew what I knew what I wanted it to look like. I feel like I'm pretty experienced in bikini wearing. Um, I reached out to her and she helped me design, um, you know, helped me with the design made the pattern everything. And then I went to Bali and I found um, a company there a manufacturing company that I really liked they ethically produce um, the bikinis. And they let people work from home, which which is different than most people don't get to do that there. You know, things are a little bit different over there. But that way, you know, we gave them a deadline. We gave them the sewing machines. And that way they were able to spend time with their family. They weren't, you know, had to work from this hour to this hour and couldn't leave and, you know, got one bathroom break. I I think that is horrible way to work. You know, no one wants to work like that. 
Um, and I wanted the bikinis to be made, you know, with some kind of happiness involved. Um, so I went out there and, and um, it was great. You know, I met everybody and everyone was really cool. Picked up my first shipment and launched it on Valentine's Day of this year. So three day, three years later um, from when I escaped my relationship and uh, it's going pretty good. I named it the boyfriend bikini because I actually wanted to name it the ex-boyfriend but I had a lot of anger, <laughs> you know, a lot of anger and resentment towards that person. Um, you know, I was with him for seven years. It was a really horrible relationship. Um, so I wanted to name it the ex-boyfriend. I was like, oh, I'm going to make money. And he said I couldn't and all this, whatever. And my friend at the time, she was like, why would you want to, you know, put such a negativity on something that you're so excited and happy about, you know, this dream of yours? I was like, oh man, you're right. So I decided like, how can I turn it? How can I turn all my anger into something positive? So I decided to call it the boyfriend bikini. And then each um, style and color is named after a type of guy, but like a positive influence. Um, and it's very personal to me. So like when you get like there, there's one, it's called, um, there's one called puppy love. My dog's a boy named it after my dog. Um, there's one called First love, it's named after kind of like my first boyfriend who was awesome. We're still great friends. You know, and I tell kind of like this story of like not only my first love, but I think like a lot of people's first love or like the story of like how much I love my dog. So when you order a bikini, you get not only the bikini, but you get the actual story. You know, I've typed it all out and everything. You can read about the stories online too. Um, because I did want to make it something more positive. And then just for that added push. Um, for me personally, in order to help other people, um, part of the proceeds goes to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, mm -hmm. so that I can give back. And then what I'm hoping is, if I can get, you know, the company big enough off the ground, what I'd really like to do is be able to kind of like franchise it to women that are coming out of shelters. Because when you come out of a shelter, I mean, it's, most of the time you go back to your abuser because there's, you don't have money, you don't have a place to live. You, you know, you have nothing. You might have kids or dog, like there's all these things, like you're just screwed. So I'd like to be able to like, you know, give back to those women. I, I know how hard it is. Um, you know, I was very lucky in the fact that like I owned the house that this person was living in. So I just kicked him out and locked the door, you know, called the cops, locked the door, the whole thing. But a lot of people don't have that choice. So I really want to be able to grow this thing to be something that these women coming out of shelters can hopefully, you know, climb onto and, and sell some bikinis and, and just get off, you know, be able to, to get up there and, and have their own place and do their own thing and not go back to their abuser. Mm, yeah. I think that's a, that's a powerful thing for sure. And you talk about franchising it. What's, what's that exactly mean? I assume that a lot of these things are, are being bought online rather than brick and mortar. So what's it mean yeah. to, to franchise? Are you just kind of, I don't know a good word for it. like having individuals sell it by a catalog. I don't, I mean, I feel like the, the, the dirty word, which I'm not meaning it to be, is it, are you trying to like triangle market this with, with people under you or what do you mean? Well, what I like to, I, I don't really know what that looks like now. I'm kind of trying to figure that out. Um, but what I'd like to do is like, say they come up with their own design of a bikini because I have like mm. one basically one specific design let's say um you know this woman's like oh I, I want to do a one piece like this is really you know I, I have this this idea 
Um, so I would use, um, you know, the money from the company to make that design um, and, you know, get it all manufactured and everything like that. And then, um, you know, take a percentage because it would be under my company name. Um, but then that specific bikini line, um, you know, they can sell it brick and mortar if they somehow can or online or whatever. And then they would get like, you know, the rest of the, like, I would take enough percentage to make the money back on what I've spent, but then they would get the actual proceeds of it. Mm, I love that. that. That makes a lot of sense. So we've covered a lot, you know, we, we kind of just little snippets of everything. If people want to learn more about you, I mean, I guess in your, your casting world, definitely learn more about your podcast, learn more about the bikinis, shout out how people can connect with you and, and all the great things you got going. Sure. So uh, my personal Instagram is feathergirl77. Um, it's all my day-to-day stuff and lots of my traveling. Um, the podcast is at Strictly Stalking Pod um, on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and then the bikini company is The Boyfriend Bikini on Instagram. And then I also have a website, www.theboyfriendbikini.com. I love it. Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much for having me on. So that was Jamie Beebe. Learned so much. Just a, a wide variety of topics. I, I don't think I've, I've ever mixed such different things together. I think that uh, you know that just shows how amazing Jamie is, that she juggles all these things and, and is so successful at all of them. So I, you know, I've always had a, an interest in learning about movies. Just another, another aspect of that when it comes to casting directors, uh, I learned a lot there. Um, you know, we've dabbled in true crime in the past in this podcast. So to talk about the world of, of stalking, which, you know, I, this whole time, I think I say stalking, it's stalking or stalking. It's hard, it's hard to, for me to uh, to say exactly right, so I'm glad that isn't my podcast for a, a whole host of reasons. But one because I don't say the word right, I don't believe. So I uh, I learned so much from her about about this and just about the the issues when it comes to uh, providing proper protection for people who are, are dealing with this. Um, you know, there's not enough laws out there to protect. Uh, oftentimes the the women that are dealing with this you know of course there's men and women but uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of the time that it's women being stalked by uh, somebody who's become infatuated with them or an ex or all that kind of stuff so I do think that uh, there's a, a significant oversight there and the work that Jamie's putting in to uh, to bring that to the forefront bring that to light and you know spread awareness I think is really really awesome uh, she is awesome when it comes to the bikini line as well and just talking about uh, you know the the messages behind that and who she's having uh, create the bikinis I, I just uh, I think it's really really amazing she's got so much amazing stuff going on if you want to go check her out uh, I will put a link in the show notes to her podcast her instagram and to her bikini line go uh, go give love to, to all three of those she would greatly appreciate that uh, with this podcast go follow us on instagram not enough podcast jacksnap.com you can check us out not enough with jacksnap on facebook 
all those areas. Really appreciate you uh, following along so you can see a future guest. Uh, I'm going to cover that in just a moment, but... Um, yeah, also, if you like this episode, leave a five-star review on Apple and on Spotify. Appreciate that very much. Leave a written review on Apple. Even more amazing. But uh, whatever you do, you're going to want to click that follow button. You're going to want to click that subscribe button, whether you're on Apple or on Spotify. A lot of really awesome guests coming up. Um, next week's guest is just uh, one that I've been trying to get on for a good good little while. The, you know, It's already recorded, and it was, it was really amazing. Kind of follows in this same world when it comes to true crime and people's interest in it and when true crime really goes uh goes sideways and uh you know implicates the wrong people and i think uh next next week's guest is, is truly uh one of the one of the biggest people when it comes to uh to that world so i uh, i think that you're going to really enjoy that uh the story's been covered quite a few times but uh you know to actually have the person on uh is uh is a powerful thing so I'm going to leave it there because you're going to have to check it out next week. But uh, interested in this topic here when it comes to true crime, you're really going to enjoy next week. So we will see you next week. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think or, hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.